This is Ken Forrester, Executive Director at Momenta. Welcome to our Digital Thread Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momenta, they are deep industry operators. We hope you find these podcasts informative, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to episode 150 of our Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. Today, it's my great pleasure to host Hussam Mansour, founder and CEO of Waste Hero, a leading end-to-end smart waste collection service provider. Momenta is a proud investor in Waste Hero, which is based in Denmark. Hassam is a serial entrepreneur who enjoys challenging the status quo. He graduated at Master of Science from our house university and has published various publications on IoT and AI and waste management. Hussam is part of a closed Danish network for C-level and ministries advising on the future of sustainable waste management and believes that with the increasing rate of urbanization, there's never been a more crucial time to implement efficient and sustainable waste collection. Hussam, welcome to our Digital Thread podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ken. It's uh, very great and exciting to be here. And it's uh, and great and exciting to have you as well. Obviously, we're proud investors in Waste Hero, but we also see, I'd say, the uh, trends in investing and in just general sustainability really pointing to a lot of the use cases that you guys are doing. So really looking forward to a timely conversation. I always like to start these conversations with a bit of your own personal, if you will, digital journey. So what would you consider to be your digital thread per se? In other words, the one or more thematic threads that define your digital industry journey? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a a super interesting question. And really the digital thread of a founder helps define which road you take uh, as an entrepreneur. And uh, my journey actually started when I was working at a, a large pump manufacturer before, before founding Waste Hero. And, and my job was to screen different IoT platforms. And this was in the early stages of IoT platforms. I think I've screened roughly around six, 700 and it wasn't even an exhaustive list. And remember, we, had, we looked at Microsoft and Amazon back then, the leaders of today. And this pump manufacturer was actually developing their own IoT platform. And that was at the early stages where IoT was much more about I, collecting data more than building the actual end application. And uh, as you mentioned yourself at Aarhus University, when founding Waste Hero, we were very fortunate to, to uh, sit in the department of digitization and business development, focusing on IoT, and uh, had a, a dear friend and professor leading the department and also a great advisor to Waste Hero. And so it really started with IoT, deep IoT, and, and then also starting publications on IoT and later on also on machine learning and AI. So that's my digital thread. It's it deep down into IoT connectivity, IoT data gathering and, and the use, utilization of data on AI and then later on specializing on waste management. 
You're uh, actually in a great ecosystem. One of our prior investments was a company called Thingworks. And at the time, as part of that investment, I spent time out there with that pump manufacturer in, in near our house, uh, Denmark, and, uh, and specifically uh, out there looking at potential use cases for the application of the Thingworks platform there. So well familiar with a lot of those efforts and uh, well-regarded manufacturer per se as, uh, as well. But that our house particularly was interesting because um, there was a lot of early thought leadership there. In fact, I think they published, as I remember, the IoT comic book, which was a great actually uh, piece that describing a lot of the interesting use cases and potential social and um, and technological, if you will, impacts of IoT. A good ecosystem to be in. So. I know you had an early start co-founding several companies, so this isn't necessarily your uh, first entrepreneurial exercise. What what attracted you to this intersection of digital and... Yeah, absolutely. My This is a waste series. It's definitely is my fifth company, and I've always started businesses up. And, and I think really, from my point of view, the passion of starting businesses and solving problems, that's deep in my heart. And at some point, when you I think when you have that grit of being a founder of companies, and then you also start learning about different technologies such as IoT and AI and, and so on and so forth, but also learn how to combine those into solving actual problems. That kind of caught me. And I think it's just something that happened with time as you develop as a founder and, and learn about these technologies at the same time and that you can use them and utilize them. Then it just happened like that. So drilling down into Waystero, you founded the company in 2017. What problem did you set out to solve and yeah that's uh, another interesting question i think t not many know this but waste here actually was founded as iot lab in the very beginning set to solve the problems of iot for everyone but actually i was sitting in engineering class at some point and looking outside of the window and then i could see this one trash bin that was always empty empty or half full and i remember it annoyed me so much that we started developing the sensor for the uh, waste bin and quickly we could see based on the data that in nine out of 10 incidents, the trash bin were collected too late or too early. If it was too late, the trash bin was overflowing and you had trash in the streets. And if it was too early, the bin was empty and you had trash vehicles drive, drive out there unnecessarily. And really that problem is for anyone that has a trash bin and anyone that are collecting trash from A to Z, which is basically businesses and municipalities. But as we saw, we started learning that municipalities and businesses could have different pain points, but really inherently they could use the same product. Those are the custom segments that we solve the problem for. So what have been some of your key use cases and wins at Waste Hero? Yeah, we've been very fortunate to win projects in our home market from very early on in Danish municipalities, first in the city of Herning and then later on different cities as strategic projects. With that said, and I'll get back to that in a minute, why that was so crucial for us. We've been very, we've had customers contact us from over 40, 45 countries. And so that made us really think about how we're going to deploy and scale our solution globally from the get-go. So with that said, we had to think about how we could ship the sensor globally with the global connectivity and, 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 and different stuff, as well as think about the software in a very modular-based approach. 
so that it could uh, still be scalable, but be customized to the different needs of each country when it comes to waste management. So not only is Danish cities very adaptable to digitization and ESG goals, they're also leading a waste management. And so that allowed us to really build a product an end-to-end solution product for those cities. And and funnily enough, we started off by looking outside of the window and looking at this one trash bin and, re- and thinking, why do we need, why doesn't that have a sensor? But actually, interesting, what happened was that when we deployed in the city of Herning, which was our first win in 413 bottle banks, we realized that we could save them 71% of the annual savings. But this city had around 65,000 bins in total. And... When we started asking them about, so what we had to ask them about is to run on a silo system. So waste zero system for dynamic pickups based on IoT sensors. And they had to run an old legacy system for the rest of the bins. And I remember we started asking the question on why couldn't we just integrate those 413 sensors in those existing, in the existing system they had? Why did they have to have two different separate systems? And that's when we realized that the existing software systems in waste management, they were built 20 years ago. They couldn't, they didn't know how to handle any type of data or integrate with any type of sensor without being customized or, and they didn't know how to use it in a routing. Uh, it was very hard to integrate with. So really we started becoming, going away from being an IoT company to being an end-to-end waste management solution provider, realizing that at the same time that we had a wealth of sensors in the IoT space maturing, such as, for instance, GPS trackers for fleets, USB, they could see how much, how the vehicle was performing, how the driver behavior was, different axle loaders for waiting, the different types of containers and so on and so forth. And every time the customer had to use any of these new sensors, they couldn't integrate them. They had to use a separate system. So really those key strategic wins from early on made us go away from being an IoT company to being a solution provider in the sense that when we start going out to a customer today, we don't tell them, hey, let's let's put a, a thousand IoT sensors in your bins and give you a separate system. We start, we start by saying, let's digitize all of your assets. Let's put all your 65,000 bins in our system. Let's put all your vehicles in our system. Let's put all your drivers in our system, all your capacity constraints, all your waste stations, everything that's revolved around waste management. And let's create those digitized, digitized assets. And what we've been very successful with, Ken, lately is building an ecosystem, our marketplace, with these different types of sensors around our software so that the customer can plug and play any different sensor on any of these assets that we pre-approved. For instance, if they want 50 sensors this month on this vehicle, they can do that. Or 50 sensors of this type on this bin, they can do it and then track the business case and then scale up as they want, really avoiding the POC purgatory. Because POC purgatory is not just not being mature, but also all these limitations that are with all legacy systems, not only from a, obviously, as I'll discuss later on, problems with tender process and, and so on and so forth and limitations, but also the existing systems just can't handle IoT data. So really the need was to rethink or redefine the category of modern day waste management software. And these key strategic wins that we had in our home market from early on and, and this high adaptability helped us build this visionary product. Yeah, lo- love the journey from single point, really digital, if you will, sensor to now a full end-to-end solution provider around waste management. And in many ways, that really does define what uh, how the IoT, if you will, expansion or network effect really works. So, the, and the fact that you've already talked about ecosystem is really critical in that as well. Excellent trajectory on that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And just to add on that, interestingly enough, we wouldn't be expecting when we build the sensor to start integrating with different CRM systems, different billing systems, ERP systems. So really having that understanding that the data of that you collect needs to integrate in a whole a wider picture is really crucial. Uh, and it's been a great learning for us. That is a, an impressive growth curve, uh, given your founding in uh, 2017 in engineering class staring at the waste bin. <laughs> I, I love those origin stories because there's always that spark of innovation that comes from it. As you, we've been active investors in companies that are, I'll call it, rethinking smart spaces including smart buildings, smart cities, et cetera. There, yeah, there was a lot of early hype in the space, especially around the smart city aspect. Now we're seeing a resurgence in a lot of those use cases, driving real benefits versus the uh, hype. What's What's been your experience uh, relative to uh, smart spaces and, and basically the same kind of hype and reality trends? Yeah, absolutely. Quite interesting question. I remember at the university and having conversation with conversations with this professor in IoT talking about similar use cases that we saw in 17 being deployed in 2002 and 2003 <laughs> and, and merely becoming pilots and, and nothing more than that. And then now being reignited. I think what's, I think we've what we've seen, what we've experienced is a, a wave of maturity on, on, on these smart spaces. So first and foremost, the, the cost of the sensors have gone down, similar to most law, you, you see this, the costs go down and the connectivity, the roaming agreements globally, the de mass deployment of LoRaWAN, for instance, have done that it's easier to deploy and it's more scalable. But not only that, I think what's more interested, interesting have uh, what we've seen is, so when we talk to smart cities, they usually have an innovation department. So innovation department are handling everything with connected spaces, but really the real users are the one that gaining the real benefits will be more vertical departments, such as the waste management and technical departments. And there's a long way from going to, uh, smart city innovation hubs down to, to that and actually implementing and creating benefits. And what we've seen is that is now maturing more as the technology has matured and, and we are now more sure, certain on the benefits and that this that is definitely driving the market at, at this moment. I think as I said earlier also, I think you've caught an interesting wave that is really propelling a lot of such companies. Call it a byproduct in some sense of digitalization of um, industrial infra infrastructure, but you end up with better efficiency, transparency, new business models. All of what the industry is now beginning to call a ESG for environmental sustainability and governance, if you will, as a thematic. To what degree are you seeing traction coming from, let's say, ESG-oriented investors, groups, et cetera, in terms of propelling your own traction? That's a great question, Ken. I think really it's ESGs are really driving demand and driving high-level conversations. We see large traction on all three environmental, sustainable, and governance based on the different customer segments. And, and Waste really delivers on all of it. We see a very strong desire for better governance, transparency and understanding the data and, and the opportunities for new business models. And a byproduct of that is often environmental and sustainable aspects. So we definitely see ESGs as a driver for KPIs and conversations when implementing projects and working directly with, with customers in driving real benefits and value. 
Yeah, I think you guys are definitely in the in the sweet spot there, and uh, and it's interesting. I people are often asked, "Is you know Momenta an ESG investor?" And uh, certainly by thematic, we wouldn't say that we set out to to achieve some type of ESG goals, but. IoT has always been an enabler of ESNG, depending on the perspectives that you're looking at. And and I always say it's interesting, it's a byproduct of it. It's not the focus of it, but it ends up with very real-world benefits. And you probably tend to see those in smart cities uh, or smart spaces more so than uh, maybe other sectors like uh, energy or manufacturing in terms of that connection. So again, I think you guys are well-placed. What what has surprised you most about working in the smart city space? I think what surprised me the most, Ken, is that there's a great will for, for taking initiative and for, for using these technologies, but not as much. We didn't see so much bravery in the beginning to change the behavior. And that's really, even though sometimes the benefits are obvious, uh, a lot of these smart cities are locked by existing contracts or tender processes and, and so on and so forth. So I think that's really what has surprised me the most during this journey. Your, your predecessors in the first wave of smart cities, I think one of the key reasons they ended up staying in uh, you know, proof of concept or pilot purgatory was there wasn't a defined buyer in a smart city. So you might go and sell in one city and it ends up being as a one municipal organization that's responsible for this kind of digital tech, tech, if you will. And you go to another city and it's going to be completely different. It's very difficult to, to scale in that. And we heard that a lot around smart streetlights, particularly in that regard. I think what's transpired over that time is, as you said, there are now coalescing chief digital officers or innovation organizations in most of these cities that do support and and are out scouting for specific technologies and solutions like what, what yours has. Um, let me ask, when you get an inquiry, how do you know when an organization or potential client is really ready to adopt your solution. And I guess uh, along the same lines, what are some of the best practices you've seen in those that are truly realizing the potential value? <laughs> yeah, that's the $1 million question that how do you qualify organizations, right? How do you focus on the right ones? But I think inherently uh, in the space that we work, I think when we see there's a top-down support and a burning desire for solving uh, pain, that's when the, an organization is the uh, most adaptable to our solution. But I think that's a long topic that can be discussed, how we how we evaluate that. But I think what's more interesting is discuss the best practices that we have seen in realizing the potential value. I think the best practices that we have seen from organizations is involving all the relevant stakeholders from the get-go. And when we talk all vertical, we talk about service employees, drivers, waste planners, not just the procurement manager, managers or the innovation officer or the manager that's going to purchase the, the, the stuff but only see a report. So that's really where we've seen organizations realizing the full potential value of, this, of these solutions. Yeah, that is uh, that is pretty critical, not only to qualify, as you said, that actually helps you stay out of pilot purgatory. And <laughs> not all, all, all sales are of equal value, but also this idea of best practices. We actually did a, a series of uh, webinars on different areas like energy and manufacturing and really focused on those best practices on how uh, people gain the traction, qualify the organizations, help to support, if you will. And there's a lot of really good, good deep insight in, in a 
establishing those best practices and really working with them as well, especially in the smart cities, because you deal with so many stakeholders and constituents in a typical uh, installation in there. I, I guess changing topic a little bit, given your own entrepreneurial journey, what would you advise other startup founders? I think one of the single most important things that I found out during my entrepreneurial journey is how crucial it is to finding great people to your team. Sometimes you can go a long way with challenge, passion, and dedication, but nothing beats seniority in, in the verticals that you work with. Someone that have done it before can really move mountains. So really number one advice is don't be afraid to find people that are better and smarter than you. With that said, underlining recruitment as a really important factor when building a company. And then secondly, obviously also the, focusing on the culture, making people work greatly together is the best advice I can give uh, Ken. Yeah, it's, we are firm believers in the value of getting good people. That's not only do we invest, but we, uh, we have a good, strong exec search arm that literally helps to find that really key talent to scale up the company. So completely aligned with you. I guess more on the personal side, where do you find your own inspiration? I think I find my inspiration from many places. I've been deeply drawn to Silicon Valley for actually for since I was young and I think some good books come out of there which which I can highly recommend every startup founder to read Blitzscaling and No Rules but really also I find great inspiration in talking to advisors and, and founders that have done it before discussing on different topics that we are going through and finding inspiration from there I also do find a lot of inspiration from people I work with and our employees. So I tend to ask a lot of questions about things that we're approaching to find inspiration and really try to reflect on, on, on different stuff that we see and, and here and try to create kind of our own formula for things. Very good. And uh, good book recommendations. I have no blitz scaling particularly as, as a great book. So Sam, thank you for spending this time with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me and have a great day. Okay. Hey, let me ask, if people want to find out more about Waste Hero, how do they do If people want to find out more, I think go to our website, wastehero.io or LinkedIn page uh, and read more about us there. Perfect. So this has been Hussam Mansour, founder and CEO of Waste Hero and uh, perpetual challenger of the uh, status quo. So thank you for listening and please join us next week for our next Momenta Digital Thread podcast. Thank you and have a great day. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archived versions of podcasts, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.